Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Dawn Kurtigich, author of the YA novel The Dead House. It's her first novel, and it'll be published in September by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. In the Dead House, a fire has claimed the lives of several students at Elmbridge Boarding School. Years after the fire, a diary belonging to a student named Caitlin Johnson has been discovered in the ruins of the school, and it sheds new light on what was behind the tragedy. The catch? Caitlin Johnson may not actually exist. Through a mix of diary entries, email exchanges, police inquiries, and transcripts of videotape and therapy sessions, readers are thrust into a mystery that blends the psychological and the supernatural as they attempt to learn the truth about Caitlin and her connection to Carly Johnson, who she thinks of as her sister. Dawn, thank you for speaking with me. Thank you for having me. First of all, congratulations on uh, your first book. Thank you. I'm very, very, very happy. It hasn't worn off. I'm still staring at myself in the mirror going, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> For readers who aren't yet familiar with the book or haven't seen it, can you talk a bit about the connection between Caitlin and Carly? Because it's, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. And I was saying to a friend very recently that I've had so much different feedback about how they read the relationship between Caitlin and Carly in ways that I didn't even read the relationship. So it's very interesting. But from Caitlin's perspective, Caitlin's perspective, she is very much a real person. Um, Carly is a real person. They've been like this since the day they were born. And there are just two souls, two beings in one body. And this is just normal to them. This is how they, they are. But there's also the reading that it's a psychological condition that was you know, created after trauma, after the trauma of their parents' death. So it depends on how you read it. But <laughs> yeah, it just depends what how you take the story. Mm-hmm. But they are they're connected through this one body and that's the sole truth. That's the only truth in this book that they both connected through this one body. Mm-hmm. It feels actually somewhat appropriate. We're speaking from an ocean away. It's nighttime over where you are in daylight here. And yeah. it feels some, quite similar to the way that the girls share the body. Uh, ah. K- Caitlin sort of <laughs> occupies the body uh, at night and Carly during the day. When you talk about the, um, the sort of psychological read that one could put on the story, uh, basically they have people telling them this is a, basically a disassociative identity disorder and that sort of thing. How is that something that you had been familiar with? I mean, I think some people think of this as like a multiple personality thing. Yeah, I'm I'm very familiar with DID, actually. I've got a member of my family who has DID, so I am intimately experienced with it. Um, It's definitely a real disorder. They used to call it multiple personality disorder. I don't know why they changed that. Um, But at the time that I was writing this, there was a convergence of so many different events that included... um, a worsening of symptoms for this member of my family. Um, they don't want to be named, so I'm respecting that. Sure. But um, things were just kind of getting worse and the, the treatment wasn't really under control at the time. So I started thinking about this concept I had and I thought, well, you know, actually, this this explanation, this DID, I already had Carly and Caitlin as these two people in a body. And I thought, well, wh- what happens if they actually are? What happens if one of them isn't real? This book was about always about losing control. And this was the theme of my life at the time. I was losing control of so many things. Um, and that was the ultimate one. How? What if you're, you're not even real? What if you're not there? How could you lose control of yourself? You, you just, you're nothing. Uh, and that's how it sort of came about. And um, yeah, I know that some alters in people with DID actually do feel this way. 
Hmm. You know, that they they somehow are less important, that they don't exist, and they rebel against that. Hmm. And very soon in the novel, you know, there, it, it seems that there are these other, uh, I don't want to say alters, but there's these other forces that, you know, Caitlin herself, as a potential alter, is encountering and sort of becoming aware of as well. Yes, and that's where it gets interesting, because it brings up the question, well, is this DID really? Or was she really born with two souls in one body? And is this a spiritual thing? This Is, is this a supernatural experience that she's going through? Or is it DID? So this duality, this is, this is my split book. It's all about mirrors and duality. So yeah, it's the question of which, which one, you know? And, um, you know, speaking of the, the supernatural elements that are at play in the story, um, there's some that sort of revolve around some sort of traditions and rituals and things like that. Is that something that um, you brought to the story originally or uh, fictionally? That's something that uh, you invented for this book? Yeah, that always seems to crop up in my writing. And I think mm-hmm. it's because of how I was raised. I um, My mother was a, an expat for um, many different companies and we traveled a lot. I feel like almost like an army brat, but a corporate army brat. <laughs> so um, I spent a lot of time in Africa and one of the most vivid experiences of my life was out in the bush and my mother was working at a mis- as a missionary at the time and um, we would go out to the tribes and <laughs> it was such an intense experience for me that I always bring back that tribal ritualistic experience um, almost without thinking about it when I'm writing. So that's how it came about. And uh, back with the uh, the DID for a moment, you know, obviously this novel is fiction, but did you end up doing research into the disorder, you know, in addition to your own firsthand personal experience with it as the book was coming together? Yes, I did loads. I had um, a medical book. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, I had the medical code book with all this technical information about DID. And in some ways it was tricky because when I was writing it, I had to believe each side of the story. So sometimes I had to believe Dr. Lansing's view that Caitlin and Carly were, they had DID. So I had to stick to my research and what was accurate. But then I also had to write the story on other days where I truly believed the supernatural elements. And because there were this, there's this dual explanation, I took a few liberties with the DID stuff, as you do in fiction. For example, her therapy sessions would never actually go that way. <laughs> and there are things about DID, like just having one altar, for example, Caitlin being the other altar, and she comes out at specific times, that doesn't happen. So there were certain liberties I had to take to make the story work. And, you know, the story you're telling in The Dead House is is one thing, but certainly the way you're telling it um, and the way it unfolds is a, a very striking and important part of the book. Did you know early on as you were writing this book that you wanted to structure it around evidence and found material and, you know, transcripts and that sort of thing? That came slightly later. The, the only thing I had in the beginning was the diary entry. And I really love unreliable narrators. So I always knew my main character, who was initially Carly, by the way. <laughs> um, and Caitlin was going to be this evil alter taking over. But um, I knew, always knew that'd be a diary. And and then the rest just happened. Um, I almost wrote it in a kind of daze. It, it was a very broken process. And I... I it's almost like I was possessed by the writing muse and a lot of it just happened very naturally. Um, and so, yeah, the format, apart from the diary, which was premeditated, everything else felt very natural and surprising. So I was having a lot of surprises writing this one. Uh, it almost reminded me a little bit of uh, something like the Blair Witch Project or the Paranormal Activity f- films. Are you? Yeah. There's a tradition in horror of this type of thing. Is that something that you were a fan of going in or...? 
I love those movies. And I didn't realize actually that there was that aspect to it until so many of the agents that I approached said that. And they also mentioned um, another show, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they kept mentioning Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity. And it, it really was only then that I thought, oh, oh, maybe they're right. That's kind of that's kind of cool because I'm a big, big, big fan of those films. <laughs> and uh, because you have all these different sources of uh, information that are sort of assemble, uh, coming together to assemble the book, um, the design is a very important thing too. Were you, were you actively yeah. involved in sort of the look of the finished book and how these elements were coming together? Um, I have to say my the design team at Little Brown and the one at Orion did an amazing job with the interiors. I'm so I'm just so grateful. The book looks amazing. The only input that I had were things like the where the font had to be different or um, just I, you know I handed over a manuscript that had design notes in it. Um, but apart from that, no, that, uh, the design teams took care of everything. Um, I supplied some of the photographs. Um, a friend of mine uh, took them with her lovely sister and they were used in the book. So apart from that, not really. It's all down to the design teams. I'm so lucky to have them. And as you mentioned, you know, it's being published, uh, it seems fairly close together in both uh, the UK and the US. Um, how was the process? Were you also working with multiple editors on both sides? And Yes, I was very lucky, actually. So I had a UK editor, Jenny, and I have my US little brown editor, which is Alvina. And they worked so, so well together. They made it so easy for me. They would liaise sort of above me and then send me one single set of edits. And that made my life so much easier because um, I was told, you know, that it's happened that you have two different sets of editors and you have to kind of do both. Um, they didn't do that with me. They made it completely smooth and simple. It was great. Mm. So are the two editions of the book uh, pretty close to identical then? Yeah, the only things different are just words that are different in the UK versus the US. So torch, flashlight, mm been trash can. So that's really the only difference. Um, the stories are identical. Everything else is identical. Let's talk a little bit about how you uh, got into writing in, in the first place. Has, has uh, writing a novel been a longtime ambition of yours? Yes, since I was about 12. Um, I was a very, very reluctant reader. Um, I hated books as a child. I really did. I was more into comic strips. I spent all my time drawing storyboards, essentially, um, because I, I didn't realize at the time, but I had a weird form of dyslexia. So I was a very late reader. My mother forced me to read to her every night after school, and I hated it, and I thought she was torturing me. And I told her she was awful and horrible, but actually she saved me because then I discovered a book that caught my imagination and it took off from there. And uh, I was 12 when my mother brought me a, a leather-bound notebook from Boston, actually. And I just started writing in there in pencil. And I was about six chapters in before I realized I was writing a book. <laughs> Funny that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I just decided to keep going. And I, I wrote that book, finished, I think, when I was about 15 and then edited it till I was 17. Sent out a query letter for it when I was 19 and promptly stopped because it was terrible. And I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but, yeah, so pretty much words and I have had an interesting relationship. And now they're everything. Thing to me. <laughs> hmm. Well, I have to ask, do you remember what the one book was that sort of was a turning point for you? 
Yes, I do. I own it. The same copy. It was Animorphs by um, K.A. Applegate. Mm -hmm. It was the very first one. And up until that point, my mother had been getting me books about um, girls going to new schools and girls going to new continents because she thought it would resonate with my growing up experience. And then Animorphs came. (laughs) My mother handed it to me. And it was like aliens and slug aliens taking over humans and like children morphing into animals and i the rest is history i was like this is cool this is what i want to (laughs) do like this resonates with my experience yes (laughs) evil slugs is totally my thing (laughs) (laughs) and then you know as you continued to i guess write after that point when did you sort of realize that maybe ya or writing for teenagers was something you wanted to do were you were you even thinking on those terms I wrote a novel um, and I thought it was an adult novel and I began querying for it. And I think I'd sent five by the time someone came back to me and said, this isn't adult, this is a YA novel. Uh, and I think I only realized at that point. And I, I had been reading YA novels, but I was so unfamiliar with YA. It's like I had middle grade animorphs and then adult fiction. It just didn't, I didn't seem to have that in between. I don't really know why. I had like the goosebumps and then, you know, high fantasy and things like there was no gap for me. So I really didn't know what I was writing until someone told me. And I was very grateful because then I went away, revised and found out what I was doing and researched and read. And then my life just became bigger and better and more fulfilled. And I haven't looked back. Hmm. And um, how does horror fit into the picture? Is that something that, again, you sort of fell into by accident or something you'd always wanted to try your hand at? I think that I just naturally write darker things. It's what makes me such a nice person. That's the <laughs> secret, you see. <laughs> no, I just always write dark things. I, I have no idea why, to be honest. I'm a horror junkie, but I'm a total wuss. I scare myself constantly. So really, you could just say I'm a masochist and leave <laughs> it at that. <laughs> and you know, aside from that initial um, novel that you mentioned sort of working on in your teenage years, are there other projects that you decided to either leave by the wayside or maybe return to or what you know how long have you been working on this particular book this one the dead house took me eight months but only because before that i wrote something like five or six novels one of which i rewrote you're not going to believe me but i rewrote it 23 times before i realized i should shelve it and move Mm. on and that was hard because i'm stubborn but yeah so i (laughs) i i had an agent before before the late the agent that's got my book deal before polly and um sarah and it was she was a very young agent and neither of us really knew what we were doing but i got a lot of experience writing books just trial and error and practice and failing lots and lots of failing and lots of tears so by the time it came to the dead house yeah it was just done and polished in 8 months and i was very lucky because the edits were very minor um you know on the whole i've heard of stories of like 50 page edit letters mine was something like 3 um so i think that i had I'd gone through the trials <laughs> to get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, so, yeah. uh, you know, I know, you know, the book is not out yet in either continent for, uh, for a little while yet, but um, it sounds like you are starting to get some early feedback from readers who are finding their way to the book. It's so amazing. The readers who have read my book have been so nice. I feel like I've stepped into a new family. I get these messages all the time telling me how much they love the book and asking if they can help promote the book, which is incredible. Um, a YouTuber online started a game about the book where they pass it around and they've just made a game of it. And it's so interesting. Um, 
and especially when they tell me what they thought the book was, is the most interesting because no one has had the same reaction in terms of um, reading the story and comprehending the story. No one has said the same thing to me, which is exactly what I wanted because it's it's just a book of it's a it's an untruthful book. Shall we put it that way? So you make your own truth out of it, and seeing people do that is so amazing and gratifying. Hmm. And uh, I also get the sense that you've uh, gotten pretty actively involved as a new author in the sort of young adult world um, with a, a community of a, a fellow writers. Yes, I have. Um, I've actually been involved with it for quite some time, just from the other end, an aspiring author. And it's so wonderful to see my aspiring authors getting their book deals and stepping into the author's shoes. And and then my turn and, you know, then the people who are slightly behind, then them coming as well. So it's like we're all on this journey together and we can support each other. And it, it's I don't know if it's the same with adult you know, authors, but in the YA community, everyone is so supportive and they really root for each other. And it's really the first time, because I had such a rootless existence growing up, this is really the first time that I felt part of a community. And it's so, it's lovely. There's, there's their own, you know, kind of speak and slang and, and I understand it. And it's wonderful (laughs) to belong somewhere and somewhere so cool. Hmm. And are, are you already sort of working on new books and thinking about your next projects? Yes, um, I'm just doing edits on the second book, which is coming out next year. It's um, another standalone, another horror, but this one is what I call a romance horror. So it's it's a much more pleasant um, and less depressive story. Um, I mean, The Dead House was a very cathartic book for me, so it ended up being very dark and very quite sad, actually, quite tragic. This one is more hopeful, but still very scary. Hmm. So I'm just doing edits on that. Um, and yeah. And then it will be design time and all those fun things. So it sounds like um, readers can expect to see some uh, darker stories from you in the future. Yes, definitely. I do the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, congratulations again on the new book and thank you for speaking with me. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, I've been speaking with Don Kurtigich, whose new novel is The Dead House, out in September from Little Brown. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. 